Hey there, Converge Nation. Thank you so much for joining us for week two of our Supreme Sermon series. Listen, the worship blessed me so much. We could go home right now. I don't even have to teach or preach another word. Man, such a powerful, such a poignant reminder that our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our friend is at the center of it all. Not only that, man, but there's no name higher no name stronger than the name of Jesus. And that's just a perfect segue into our message today as we continue our sermon series, Supreme. Uh, we're embracing, we're elevating this year, Jesus over everything. In fact, say that with me, say that with conviction, Jesus over everything, amen? And that's not just a mantra, that's not just a theme for our church this year. It's actually the posture and the inclination of our hearts. We are elevating and exalting Jesus over everything. And in the process, listen, we're going to dethrone some idols uh, and enthrone Jesus so that Jesus assumes his proper place in our lives. So that Jesus might have the preeminence, not just in the universe, but in our hearts. You know, in the scriptures, the Bible declares that in him, in Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. So this year, listen, we're going to get reconnected, re-engaged with the person of Jesus on a deeper, more intimate, personal level. Because again, all things, all good things flow from this union with our Savior 
Jesus. Let's pray and we'll dive into the word together this morning. Father, we love you. We honor you and we thank you, God, for this awesome privilege that we have to draw near to you uh, and draw near to each other as we look to your word. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I ask you now for unction and I ask you, God, to take my tongue and make it as the tongue of a ready writer as we minister your word in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you now to help me to do it with accuracy, with integrity, and with great reverence. Open our hearts and our ears so that we can hear uh, not just your word, but hear your heart. We trust you to do that now, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Turn with me, if you would to our anchor text for this series, which is lifted from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, his letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 15, where Paul begins to establish the preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, that in all things Christ has first place. Notice verse number 15, and I think in these verses what we'll discover is Paul pointing out, he's highlighting, he's emphasizing four critical areas where Christ has the preeminence. Notice verse number 15, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That word image in the Greek is literally translated perfect replica. Amen. Jesus is the prototype. Uh, Jesus is the perfect representation of this invisible God. So everything we need to know about our heavenly father is revealed in Jesus. Jesus, number one, has preeminence in his person, his character, his nature, his attributes. Number two, also in verse number 15, we find that Jesus has preeminence in his position. Notice that he is the firstborn <laughs> over all creation. He has this position of preeminence. Uh, it goes on in verse number uh, 16. Uh, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Listen, verse 16 uh, gives us this sense that Jesus is not only preeminent in his person, in his position, but thirdly, Jesus is preeminent in power. That means that Jesus has dominion and he has authority over powers, over principalities, over authorities. All things are in his hand and they are subject to him. Number four, the fourth area that Paul highlights in this letter in chapter one is in verse 20. Uh, we'll get there as we read further. But notice what it says in verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. That means Jesus holds our world in his hand. He holds all things together. Hebrews 1 say, uh, reminds us that all things, all things are held together by the word of his power. Remember, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven or having, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Fourthly, Jesus is preeminent in his provision. And what did Jesus provide? Not just material provision, not just a financial provision, not just physical provision. Jesus made provision through the finished work of the cross when his body was broken and his blood was shed so that you and I would not only be reconciled vertically to the Father, we would also be reconciled horizontally one to the other. So Jesus, we find in this text, has the preeminence. Jesus is supreme in his person, in his position, he is supreme in his power, and he is supreme in provision. Now, knowing that, knowing that should elicit a response from us. All of what I shared with you establishes the reasons why we need to draw close to Jesus. <laughs> That's why James said it this way, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. As we draw near to him, in pursuit of intimacy with him, what we will experience and what we will encounter is a savior who is preeminent in all things. And we have access to him. Listen, there are some doors that open for you in life, not because of who you are, but because of who you win. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. And what uh, Paul is establishing uh, with the believers in the church at Colossae is, listen, <laughs> you better leverage this relationship with this preeminent one, with this supreme one, this one who is exalted above all things, this one who created all things, this one in whom all things consist. And he invites us into intimate relationship with him, not just as our Lord, not just as our Savior, listen, but as our friend. And the premise for this letter of encouragement, the, this letter of affirmation to the church at Colossae is to let them know that they matter. Mm. That's one of the questions that every human at some station at some point in their lives will grapple with, will wrestle with, will consider, do I matter? And what Paul is saying to them in the midst of this crisis that exists in the church at Colossae, and we talked about it, these feelings of inadequacy, that the, the, the city Colossae no longer mattered, and as a consequence, the church at Colossae no longer mattered. And, and if the church didn't matter, then maybe the people in the church didn't matter. And what Paul is saying is no. He's, he's establishing this idea that they matter, that they are valued, and Jesus did it all just for them. When we declare this message concerning Jesus over everything, for some people who hear it, it may sound, it may seem myopic. It may seem narrow-minded. But as we begin to examine Jesus and his mission and his great love for all humanity, what we will discover is that Jesus came not for perfect people. Jesus came. Jesus bled and died for us in spite of our imperfections. Not because we were perfect, but he came and died for us in spite of our imperfections and our shortcomings and our idiosyncrasies and our quirks 
and our issues and our brokenness. And that's what we want you to hear today. And if the world has ever has a problem, may I submit to you, it's really not with Jesus that the world's problem is with his lousy PR firm called the church, that we have done a lousy job of representing this Jesus we read of in Colossians 1 to a broken and dying world. We've give, given them a whole lot of religion. We've given them a whole lot of law. We've given them a whole lot of works. We've given them a whole lot of you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And what we have not given them is the person of Jesus who loved us with an everlasting love and that he came so that broken men and broken people and broken sons and broken daughters and, and broken wives could experience the love of the Father. In fact, that is really the, 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 the heartbeat of Converge Church. Our tagline is threefold, Jesus, people, and purpose. Because everywhere we find Jesus in the sacred text, he was loving on people. He was healing people. He was encouraging people. And he was pointing them to their purpose. And I just felt like I needed to take a moment to reintroduce the Jesus of Scripture to you. Because maybe your experience with Jesus has been a misrepresentation of the Jesus that we see in Scripture. The Jesus that we see in Scripture is a Jesus who loved the tax collector. A Jesus who was identified with the sinners and wine-bibbers. And he was called a friend of sinners. Not to excuse their sin, but he drew near to them and loved them enough that they experienced the love of the Father as he pointed them to their God-ordained purpose. And so this morning, if you're watching this message, I want you to hear as you work through, as you wrestle with, as you reason and ponder and consider your own inadequacies, there is a God who revealed himself in the person of Jesus who says that you matter and that you are valued. And that should be the solution. That should be the balm. That should be the antidote for every feeling of inadequacy you will ever experience. Notice what the text says. Notice what the text says. Ah, let me pump the brakes. Last week, last week we introduced this sort of this sequence, this progression. Because what Paul is addressing uh, are four things. He is addressing four things that are prevalent, prominent, that exist in the church at Colossae. The first thing he addresses is their feelings of inadequacy because now they're no longer trending, they're no longer relevant, people are leaving Colossae, it's not the place people are going, it's the place people are exiting. And sometimes life can feel that way. We find ourselves alone, we find ourselves lonely, and we begin to question whether we really matter or our value. When that happens, we become susceptible to the second uh, 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 sort of mindset in this progression, which is we begin to wrestle with our identity. Who am I? And listen, if you've been around Converge Church for, every, for any uh, amount of time, you have at least heard me say this once, and I know that my Converge Nation can finish this for me. Who you are is not for you to decide it's for you to discover. 
I'll say that again, just in case you're new to Converge Church. Who you are and what you were created to accomplish is not for you to decide, it's for you to discover. Here's why, because it is God-appointed, not self-assumed. Therefore, your identity is in Christ. You're not who you think you are. You're not who others think you are. You're not even who you think others think you are. You are who God says you are. And in this letter to the believers in Colossae, Jesus is establishing this idea. He's addressing their inadequacies. He's speaking to their identity. He's helping them work through the ideologies that have infiltrated their belief system where the scriptures are now watered down. It's no longer Jesus only. It's Jesus plus philosophy and Jesus plus the traditions of men. It's Jesus plus pluralism. It's Jesus plus syncretism. It's Jesus plus animism. And all these things had made their way to the church. And Jesus starts to say to them, all you need is all you have. Let me say that a different way. What you have is all you need. What you have, Jesus, in you, the hope of glory, is all you need. Notice the progression when we let our inadequacies overtake us, overrun us. What we begin become susceptible to is an identity crisis. Do I matter? And when that identity crisis kicks in, we begin to turn to other ideologies and thought processes that ultimately lead to idols in our lives. Again, we're going to unpack this sequence in the weeks to come. Today, we're going to focus on two of them, our feelings of inadequacy that ultimately begin to frame and define our identity, how we see ourselves. There are three things that are important for us to understand as Christ followers, as we begin to embrace the the preeminence of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ, uh, the supremacy of Christ. These are all themes in Colossians, uh, the the entire epistle, but especially in chapter one, three things that we need to embrace. Number one, number one, if you've ever wrestled with feelings of inadequacy, this is God's word to you. This is the word of the Lord to you. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Notice what the scripture says. And you are complete in him. Just, Just stop for a moment and let that sink in. You are complete in him. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, Nothing broken. In him, you are complete. And what the gospel causes us to challenge is this whole uh, a Jerry Maguire notion, you complete me. No, no. If you're looking for someone else to complete you, if you're looking for someone else to fulfill you in ways that only Jesus can, what you have created in that other person is a burden too heavy for them to carry. And so Jesus said, if you're like the church of Colossae today, like the believers in the church of Colossae, and you've ever felt inadequate, and I think inadequate is a coin with two sides. Inadequacies can sometimes manifest themselves as not enough, and sometimes inadequacy can manifest itself as, am I too much? 
You hear that? If you're watching this morning and you've ever felt like you're not enough or too much, Jesus says, it's not whether you're not enough or you're too much. Jesus says, you're complete in him. Because Jesus came to restore all things to your life. Be encouraged this morning. If you're wrestling with inadequacy, Colossians was written to a church that felt inadequate. It was written to people just like you who were asking that question, do I matter and am I valued? And God's response is that you are complete in him. The challenge, Converge, is that if we're not careful, life becomes a lot like an amusement park. And one of the big attractions at amusement parks, man, is the, is the mirrors, right? The fun mirrors, right? And, and, and you go into the room, into the pavilion, and they have all these mirrors, right? And, and as you're going and walking around and standing in front of those mirrors, they reflect an image back to you. But the reflection of the image that you see in the mirror is a distorted reflection. It is not a true reflection or representation of who you really are. Some of them make you taller than you really are. Some of them make you shorter than you really are. Too much, not enough. But either one is a uh, distorted reflection and representation of who you really are. And so we go through life looking in the wrong mirrors. We turn to people who either give us an inflated sense of self or a deflated sense of self. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 12 and chapter 3, baby, uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself soberly. And the sober estimation of who you are is to receive and embrace Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 10. I'm not not enough. I'm not too much. I'm complete. Woo! I hear the Lord, I believe the Lord is ministering that to somebody right now. That is no gimmick. That is the word of the Lord. You need to hear that this morning. In fact, it is healing to your soul. Say that with me. I am complete in him. I'm not, not enough. I'm not too much. I'm simply complete. No deficiencies, no inadequacies, complete in him. That's what Jesus did through the cross. And so when we say Jesus over everything, this is what Jesus is inviting us into. To live a life where our identity is wrapped up in how he sees us and he sees us. Me. He sees you as complete in him. Glory to God. <laughs> number two, number two. If you're wrestling with feelings of inadequacy this morning, this is the word of the Lord to you. This is God's I am. This is God's text message to you. This is God's 20 second TikTok message to you. This is God's 15-second, 10-second Snapchat to you. Not only are you complete in him, 
The scripture says you are accepted in the beloved. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you've ever felt the pain and the sting of rejection. Ah, when people who should have embraced you kept you at arm's length. If you've ever felt alone and isolated. If you ever felt like you didn't fit in. If you're always on the periphery. Never part of the inner circle. God's word to you from the sacred text in Ephesians chapter 1 is that you are accepted in the beloved. You are complete in him and you are accepted in the beloved. You ask yourself, Pastor Ray, what's all this Jesus over everything? Let me tell you, Jesus over everything is about your identity. Seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. Listen to me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, all of this is to the praise of the glory of his grace. His grace, unmerited favor, didn't deserve it, couldn't earn it, couldn't work for it. By which, by his grace, he has made us accepted (laughs) in the beloved. Let me give you some inside information about Pastor Ray. One of my favorite things to do, (laughs) one of my favorite things to do when I go out shopping, it could be anywhere. It could be a grocery store. It could be a department store. It could even be at the gas station. When I take out my debit card, y'all, listen to me. When I take out my debit card and I put that debit card in that slot, (laughs) come on somebody, and I type in my pin, and that, and that machine does what it's supposed to do, I wait, I wait expectantly for eight letters. It's an eight-letter word that pops up in all caps, and it simply says, approved. <laughs> listen, listen, every time I see those eight letters, every time I see that eight-letter word approved, it reminds me of what Jesus says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, that I am accepted in the beloved. That means he approves of me. That means I am his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And let that be his I am to you this morning. You are accepted. You are approved. Now, I don't know about you, man. I'm so glad for mobile banking because now if you need to move money around, you need to transfer money, you can do it, man. There was a time. (laughs) I don't know about you, man. If you've ever been in a situation where where the money was tight (laughs) and and you wrote a whole bunch of checks and you did your best to balance the checkbook, there was always that one person. Come on, somebody. Ah, man. Always one that held on to that check longer than they should have. Wrote the check three weeks ago, held on to it, And they finally cashed it. You didn't even know, man. And that thing sent you, ding. And all of a sudden, man, your account was overdrawn. Sometimes life will make you feel that way. Life will cause you to walk around on eggshells. Life will cause you to walk around with uncertainty. Like, man, I wonder if that check cleared or not. Because there was a time when you had to go to the bank you had to, you couldn't go online, you couldn't go to your phone, you couldn't go to your computer and check what had come through. You couldn't just look at your balance. And sometimes in life, we're so concerned about our balance sheet. We're so concerned about our balance. Do I have enough? And God says, 
you're approved. When you put that card in, listen to me, every single in, every single transaction of life, Every transaction of life, when you are connected to the source, when Jesus is above everything in your life, when you live a life that says Jesus plus nothing equals everything, every single life transaction, when Jesus is first, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added, every single transaction will always come back approved. There will never be a decline transaction in your life. And that's why in 2021, Jesus must be supreme because he says you're accepted in the beloved. Third reason, third reason, this letter written to the church at Colossae, which is a picture, a metaphor uh, for what many of us deal with, feelings of inadequacy, uh, is written to affirm and remind us that we are not only complete in him, that we're not only accepted in the beloved, but Romans chapter 5, listen to me, Romans chapter 5 lets us know, affirms, and settles once and for all that you are loved. The reason you're complete in him, the reason you're accepted by him is because you're loved. Notice how Paul describes the magnitude, the depth, the height, and the breadth of this love. And I'm saying this to anyone who has been given the wrong expression of Jesus. A judgmental, condescending uh, Jesus who wants nothing more to do than to judge you and tell you how bad you are and how many mistakes you've made. No, that's not the Jesus of Scripture. Because this is what the Jesus of Scripture looks like. He doesn't only say you're complete. He doesn't only say you're accepted. He says you're loved. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, when we were utterly helpless, <laughs> meaning you couldn't help yourself. You couldn't turn your situation around. When you were at your lowest, when you were desperate and begging for change, when you and I were utterly helpless, not when we were at our best, but when we were at our worst. Notice what the scripture says. Christ came at just the right time and died for a bunch of perfect people who had their lives together. No, no, no. It says, the, the text says, when you and I were utterly helpless, Christ Jesus came just at the right time, right when we needed him and he died for sinners. Who is this message for today? It's for those who have been ostracized and labeled sinners. It's for people who are far away from God. And, and I've been sent this morning, and I know there are a bunch of people who are church folk already convinced, but perhaps if you're watching this and you say, you know what, I really haven't made things right with God. I'm not at my best. I'm utterly helpless. Jesus came and died for each of us when we were still sinners. 
Notice what the text says. It says, now most people, come on, and I'm one of those most people. Don't judge me until I read the rest of the text. But I, I can imagine most of you would identify with what I'm about to say. It says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Right? Even if somebody was living right, how many of you would just sacrificially give your life in exchange for theirs? Even if they were the kindest, most pleasant person, not many of us would be willing to give our lives in exchange for even the most devout, holy person. And Paul goes on, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. So he's saying, maybe there's a chance, right? <laughs> Jim Carrey, so you're saying there's a chance, right? Some of us might be willing to die for someone who is especially good, but not a whole bunch of us would exchange our lives for someone else, sacrificially and willingly. But notice what he says. He's giving us this contrast. And this is what he says in verse 8 of Romans 5. But God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. Listen, for the one watching this morning, or maybe for the one listening to the podcast this morning who's saying, nah, you know, when I get my act together, when I clean up my act, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try out this church thing. I'm going to try this Jesus. Listen, Jesus came. Jesus came to die for you and to die for me. He came to die for all humanity when we were at our worst. As a demonstration of how much he loved us. And sometimes in life we say, well, if you really love me, then show me. If you want me, do it. Oh, anyway, if you want, really want to show how much you love me, then, then demonstrate it. And Jesus revealed it. And he stretched out both arms on an old rugged cross. Uh, Nine-inch spikes were driven into his wrists and to his feet to demonstrate how much he loved us, not when we got our act together, but when we were at our worst. This morning, if you're dealing with an identity crisis, this morning you are dealing with an inadequacy crisis. Let me settle it for you once and for all. The Jesus whose we are, says three things about you. Number one, you are loved with an everlasting love. And that love is not performance-based. It's a love we experience and receive by the grace of God, his unmerited favor, his disposition of kindness and mercy toward us. Number two, you are accepted. And that means you have a seat at the table, even when it seems like you don't deserve it. And number three, that you are complete. So you no longer have to look for validation and affirmation anywhere other than in the presence and the bosom of Jesus, because he has already declared concerning you that you are complete in him. This is where I close this morning, Converge. I'm reminded of a story 
that I heard uh, several years ago, and it helps frame everything I shared this morning. And I pray that you will be encouraged by it. It says, years ago, there was a wealthy man who, with his devoted young son, shared a passion for art collecting. Uh, together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. Uh, the widowed elder man looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. The son's trained eye and sharp business mind caused his father to beam with pride as they dealt with art collectors around the world. But as winter approached, war engulfed the nation and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His beloved son was missing in action. The art collector anxiously awaited more news, fearing he would never see his son again. Now, within days, his fears were confirmed. The young man had died while rushing a fellow soldier to a medic. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and deep sadness. The joy of the season, a season that he and his son had so looked forward to, would visit his house no longer. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man, and as he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you, sir. And as the two began to talk, the soldier told of how the man's son had told every one of his, not to mention his father's, love of fine art. I'm an artist, said the soldier, and I want to give you this. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the son. Though the world would never consider it the work of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier, promising to hang the picture over the fireplace. And a few hours later, after the soldier had departed, the old man set about his task. True to his word, the painting went well above the fireplace, pushing aside thousands of dollars of paintings. And then the man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. During the days and the weeks that followed, the man realized that even though his son was no longer with him, the boy's life would live on because of those he had touched. He would soon learn that his son had rescued dozens of wounded soldiers 
before a bullet stilled his caring heart. As the stories of his son's gallantry continued to reach him, fatherly pride and satisfaction began to ease the grief. The painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces for which museums around the world clamored. He told his neighbors it was the greatest gift he had ever received. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was in eager anticipation and expectation. Not mindful of the story of the man's only son, but in his honor, those paintings would be sold at an auction. According to the will of the old man, all of the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he received his most precious gift. The day soon arrived and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled this day. Greatness would be achieved as many claim I have the greatest collection. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Minutes passed and no one spoke. From the back of the room came, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget it and go on to the good stuff. And more voices echoed in agreement. Uh, no, we, we have to sell this one first, replied the auctioneer. Now who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke up. Will you take $10 for the painting? That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. I have $10. Will anyone go higher, called the auctioneer. And after more silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. The gavel fell, cheers filled the room, and someone exclaimed, now we can get on with it and we can bid on these treasures. But the auctioneer looked at the audience and announced that the auction was closed. Stunned disbelief quieted the room. Someone spoke up and asked, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all these paintings? There are millions of dollars of art here, come on! I demand that you explain what's going on here. The auctioneer replied, you see, sir, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. 
It really puts things in perspective this morning, doesn't it, Converge? That when we say Jesus over everything, and when we say Jesus plus nothing equals everything, that's a picture of what it looks like. That whoever gets the Son gets everything. You receive the Father's love. You receive acceptance. And you can walk complete. Spirit, soul, and body. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. And nothing lacking. And if you find yourself toggling, vacillating between inadequacy and your identity, may I submit to you this morning that if you have the Son, who is Jesus Christ, you have it all. Because what you have in Christ is all you need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We're going to cut to this song, and I really believe it's going to minister to our hearts and break up the fallow ground, the uncultivated, the hardened places in our hearts so that we can receive the love, the approval and acceptance of our Heavenly Father, that was demonstrated 2,000 years ago on the cross. Let's worship together. It's your goodness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness that leads us to your heart. It's your grace that gives us a place at your table. Without apology, when you invite me, I'll sit down. I am loved, I 
A seat at the table. I know who I am. I know who I am. I have a seat at the table. I know who I am. Who I am.
Well, that's great news this morning, Converge, that you have a seat at the table. He knows who you are. You are accepted, you are loved, and you are complete in him. But you might be watching this morning and he say, you know what? I don't have the son. I'm like those belligerent uh, 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 art collectors who just wanted to get to the stuff. And I know a lot of times in our lives we can be like that, right? We go after the treasure. We go after the stuff. We go after what's in God's hand and ignore God's heart. And this morning you say, you know what? I want to make it right. If it's true what you said, Pastor Ray, that Jesus died to reconcile men to God this morning, I want to be reconciled to God. This morning, I want to receive the Son, and in receiving the Son, I get it all. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. In fact, it's real simple, right where you are, with faith in your heart, just pray this simple prayer after me. Dear God, I come to you now just as I am with my past, with my baggage, with my uncertainty, with all of my inadequacies, my feelings of being too much, and my feelings of not being enough. And I lay them at the cross. Jesus, I invite you now to come into my heart. I ask you, Lord, to be savior of my life. I thank you that 2,000 years ago you died on the cross for my sin. I confess you now, the son of God, who rose from the dead on the third day. Lord, I thank you that I'm born again. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I love you, Lord. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for making me complete in you. Well, beloved, if you prayed that prayer this morning, the Bible says that you are born again. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's simple. A simple prayer of faith inviting Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior changes everything. We want to help you jumpstart your walk with Jesus and we want to provide some resources to you. We have a free Bible for you as well as a mini book called uh, Fresh Start with God that will help you jumpstart your walk with Jesus. 
covers information about how to read your Bible and how to pray and, and finding a good church where you begin to connect in community. We want to send that free resource to you. All you have to do is send us an email at info at weareconverge.com. Info at weareconverge.com. Or you can call us or send us a text message to 469-422-0436. That information will be on the screen. Once again, we'd like to say thank you so much uh, for tuning in uh, to today's broadcast. I pray you are encouraged and inspired by the message that was shared. We believe 2021 will be a banner year for you, a year marked by strong successes, productivity, fruitfulness, and profitability as you elevate, as you exalt, and as you embrace Jesus over everything. God bless you. We'll see you right here next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977 Type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.